Welcome to Second Baptist Church. It is our privilege to have you join us through this online platform. Today you will be listening to Daniel Harding as he preaches at Second Baptist Church. If you are able to join us sometimes, we would love to see you in one of our services. May God bless you. Thank you all so much. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll be focusing down on verse 54 of the portion that we'll be reading. Verse 54. So if you're looking at that with your Bibles, thank you. Uh, I'm going to also do something uh, in this service I didn't in the first one. I'm going to look back at uh, verses 1 through 4 in the same 15th chapter uh, as we uh, begin today, okay? Thank you for being here. Uh, We're so glad uh, that God has given you a good morning. And as we're together, it's always encouraging and enlightening as we're able to share together, okay? Well, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54, it says this, if you're following, So, when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord." In that first four verses of chapter 15, if you're looking in your Bible, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. I delivered you, first of all, that which I had received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Chapter 15 is a rich chapter as we uh, look into our Bible. It is a very familiar passage of Scripture. When we come to times of funerals, when we come to times of gravesides, uh, We uh, look at that passage a lot. Why? Because uh, this passage tells us that we put off the mortal and we take on the immortality. And then again, as it starts with the subject matter of death and it ends with the subject matter of victory through death, it's very encouraging to me that the Lord uh, gives us uh, an example of Jesus Himself there in verse number 3. As I've uh, thought on this subject all week long, uh, you say, well, uh, why would you dwell on this subject? Well, that's just sort of normal for myself when, when I'm uh, working toward a subject matter to preach and share. And as I looked at this uh, passage, I did not count the times, uh, but in chapter 15, there must be numerous occasions uh, that are talking about the subject matter of death. Now, I know you probably came to the sanctuary today going to listen to a much more uplifting word than thinking on death, but I promise you 
before we leave, we're going to see that death is one of those great things that our Lord has provided for us in order to get beyond this mortality that we have. This week alone, I have, uh, I have been a part, and so have you if you have followed, uh, I've went to two funerals. I watched another on the internet, and last Sunday as we left, we told you about Bryce Herring, Josh and Amy's son. He was buried, uh, well, Friday, but his funeral was on uh, Thursday, and uh, I just uh, could not help but uh, try as best I could to emotionalize with them. And believe me, I know I have not done that. I think they're going to come in a few weeks maybe and uh, share with us, uh, hopefully, here in Waycross. Also this week, I went to the funeral of a 69-year-old friend, father, brother. He wore many hats. He did. It was a guy that was uh, raised there in the town that I was. It was my best friend's brother, Guy Steele. Guy had uh, had COVID and uh, he had uh, had uh, been that way since uh, the last part of last year. But hey, God provided. I likewise went to the funeral of a 73-year-old wife, mother, grandmother, wore more hats than that. And that was Miss Teresa Mullis, of, uh, Brother Bill's wife. And then again, I came home and I was reading obituaries from coming home from one of my funerals. Uh, that I didn't do. I was just uh, there, but I read about an 80-year-old pastor, husband, father, friend, Ron Wilcox from uh, Jessup, and you know, you would think he was going to live forever, but again, uh, the Lord had different plans for that, and you know, uh, we study the life of uh, the 33, 33 and a half year old uh, that died what many of us would consider prematurely, and he is Jesus. So as we think about it, our lives are really just full of being around death. Uh, we remember long ago, I think I've told you the story, when Debbie and I, it was in the 80s, uh, probably about 85, uh, we had been to the funeral home so much that our girls actually had a friend over, and they were playing. Uh, they were playing funeral home. Now, of all things that you could play, uh, one was lying in state on the couch, and the other two were going by viewing. Now, we determined at that time we had been way too much involved uh, in the death process. Well, when you think of death, uh, you know, we about as well chuckle a little bit about it because as best I know, none of us are going to really do anything about pre, uh, avoiding it in the end, are we? So we need to understand that God provided this way and go back in the book of Genesis chapter 3 and you'll discover He makes a little statement. He said, from dust you came, and you remember that last part of that statement, and in dust you shall return. Now, what you're looking at today is a bunch of dust up here, I reckon, because the Lord for right now has breathed life uh, into this bundle of dust you're looking at. But there will be a day if the Lord tarries, and uh, if I continue to move on, there'll be a day in which uh, it will be again dust. Now, as I thought on death this week, and I studied this passage a little bit, I thought about how that uh, there are what I would consider the students of death, okay? No, they don't teach that in school, okay? Matter of fact, they didn't teach that at Bible college when I went, but I was exposed to that 
early on in my ministry and have been ever since. But when I uh, look at this passage and we look at life in general and uh, everything, we begin to think that, you know, there are what I call the students of death. There are learners, doctors have studied it, nurses study it, good hospice caregivers, they know the process. There are investigators that have to know about it. And then there are pastors who just get baptized into it as well. Uh, maybe not necessarily through every step of that, but as you work along with those that you're with, uh, it just so happens uh, that uh, it becomes a part of us or a part uh, of uh, those of you who have fulfilled uh, these callings. So they are learners, I call it. It so happened, uh, I think it was Friday uh, afternoon, coming back from one of the funerals, I sat down, I was looking at the History Channel. You know, it's one of the only ones that I can really look at anymore and get nothing out of. But I was looking at it, and it, what were they talking about but death? And uh, it was on there that some archaeologists, they were studying these uh, places, and they were, I don't remember if they were in Egypt or where they were at that particular tale, but they were, they were doing their archaeology, and the part that they were doing were identifying bones. Why? Because what has happened over the millenniums there is that people have uh, robbed the graves, uh, and they had taken out anything that would be valuable and what they did is they just throwed the bones up there in a pile and these people were examining the bones and trying to get them separated again. Now I know it's just before lunch and you don't want no more on that. But friend, I want to tell you something. You know what's going to go on and that is life and that is death as well. Students of death, not, also, not only the learners... But the listeners, I posted there that uh, there's at least three things people want to know when they hear about death. Number one, they want to know the truth. You tell them somebody died and it'd be somebody young or something. You know, the first thing that usually we, we respond by saying, oh no, that could not have happened. You know what? We don't want to believe the truth of that, do we? Oh, I, I use that expression still. I'll tell you, I don't mind telling you. I read the obits twice a day regularly of the morning and the evening, and when I'm convinced I'm not in them, I just get on about my business. I'll go to work in the morning, go to bed at night. But yes, I like to know what's going on in, uh, in our lives. Uh, however, somebody might call me or I might read something like I did this week, and I say to myself, that could not be. There's a second thing people want to know. They want to know the type. That simply means if I tell them somebody's deceased, we know what happened to them. Ultimately, the one thing that I can always say is they quit breathing. Uh, that happens every time. Some fellow said to uh, his church one time they wanted to know how he had lived so long. He said, I just took another breath. And as a result of that, not being morbid, that's what happens, isn't it? You, you begin to have the air knocked out of you, and you begin to try to gasp uh, for those breaths, and things change, does it not? Three things people will know, the type, the truth, and the time. Well, the Bible could answer most of those. Students of death. I read about the first death in the Bible. Genesis 4.8, as best we know it. Cain talked with Abel his brother. It came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. First human death that we find recorded in Scripture. 
Now, friend, I don't know that you've carried that as far as I have and became a student of death. But I do believe the longer I live, the more there is to learn about that subject matter. And I don't intentionally study it. But it just so happens when uh, in my line of calling that uh, these things come around. Notice the Bible also talks about the subjection to death. The subjection there to death. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, and that is not an entire uh, reading of that, but if you have your Bible, you could see that it says in Hebrews 2.14, For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, and that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, that, that is a couple of verses that uh, I, I was uh, in a class in Bible college in the 80s, and I remember the professor, Dr. Les Warren, was teaching the study on the book of Hebrews. And friend, uh, he did the most uh, excellent job. And I was the most ignorant of the learners there. But uh, oh, the book of Hebrews. And when we came upon this thought there, I thought uh, I could just see a picture of myself. Because look at it. It says there that Jesus now took upon flesh uh, and that even through death he destroyed him that had the power of death. Any of you met the devil lately? Yes, you have. You've been confronted by him. If it's none, nothing else is in your thought world. However, he says there that the devil uh, is the one that he's recognizing that had power uh, of death. And in Jesus' death, what happens is uh, that he destroyed him who had that power over death. Now you could go back to the book of beginnings and you can read that there's a statement already in Hebrew I mean in Genesis chapter 3 of where that the 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 accuser the enemy the adversary who is pictured in Genesis chapter 3 of walking around deceiving uh, Adam and Eve but then he's seen crawling around from that time forth why because the Lord had uh, the Lord had judged him there now the scripture tells us that uh, the, the adversary would bruise the heel of the Redeemer, but the Redeemer would bruise the head of uh, the adversary, Satan. Well, that has come to pass. You know, the devil knows he's defeated. Now he's not going to tell you that secret, but he knows he is. He's just operating there uh, on a scale in which... Uh, he, he does not have power over you unless you grant that to Him through your uh, thought process. But it said not only to, de, to destroy Him that had power of death, but He also uh, faced death to deliver them, who through, deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I, I reminisce, I go back to my childhood a lot. You say, why do you go back there? Well, that was the first me I ever known, so I study me. And the reality was, I don't mind telling you, I used to be scared to death of death. I, man, I, I, I'd have nightmares about it. You say, well, why did you do that? Well, I grew up in a time my mom and dad were saved. We went to church. Back in those times, uh, somebody in the neighborhood died or somebody in the church died. 
the first thing you're going to do, you're going to go to that house that night. You're going to carry dumplings or you're going to carry rice. Mama's going to carry it. And we're just going to go sit there. Youngins play in the yard. They have taken that deceased person, most likely, and they have uh, prepared that body right there in that house. They've uh, put that body in that wood coffin that's going to sit in that living room for three days and nights, and then the fourth day you'll have a funeral. And hey, I've played in the yard many times where dead people were. And I'd go home and I'd dream about dying. Boy, I tell you what, I'd have some bad dreams. One day, though, the Lord, as He saved me, and I come to a realization that the devil didn't have power over me, and that death was not a problem, death is a process. I tell you what, I've came to the place that it doesn't worry me like it used to. Now, if some of you are in line ahead of me, I'm going to do a good job if I get to say something over you because I'm, I'm really not uh, wanting to leave yet, okay? But let me tell you, the devil, the old toothless lion, he has no power over you today. And likewise, not only over your body, but also over the thought process. You know, I mentioned three things there before. I think that sometimes uh, the lifetime of Fear there would, what, what are some fears? First of all, the thought of entering the experience of the unknown. I've never been there. Matter of fact, you can buy a book about people who have been there. I saw one advertised the other day, somebody who had been dead 20 minutes. Now, I didn't order the book, but somebody actually has printed that book. Some of you might have read it. Just tell me about it, okay? Because uh, medically speaking, you, you can't be dead that long and live. That'd have to be a miracle. But then the fear of leaving loved ones, I, I, I still wouldn't like to leave. But then there's the thought of eternity, of all that process. You know, I, I still live on what I call a time basis. And when I say that, I think many of you are living that way as well. You know, we'd get up in the morning, we put a little in our stomach of something, and then we try to get to lunch, and we put more in our stomach, and then we... Uh, try to get out and work a little bit more. We go home at night and we put a little bit more in our stomach and then we lay down and we go to sleep and we wake up and do the same process. Seriously. And as we do that, we're trying to just focus on life. And I want to tell you something, folks. Life don't last forever on this side of eternity. But you know what? Life does last forever. And that's good news to me. However, in the passage that I read to you, it talks about the sting of death. Yes, I have rehearsed that verse in my mind all week. I have sat uh, through two funerals, and I sat on my sofa uh, witnessing the the third one when Debbie and I sat there Thursday night uh, there. And, and, you know, this, this verse, one of the gentlemen read that, uh, in the funeral, if not all three of them, it says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. O death, where is thy sting? Some of you have been to that place, and it might have been your loved one, or your husband or your wife. Some of you have been there, it could have been your son or your daughter. Some of you have been there, it could have been your best friend. And I don't know about you because I haven't been there in the way that you have. But I'm going to tell you what, that has a ring of finality to it, uh, or to me. Been there with you. And I've uh, tried to emotionalize with you. 
As I think about the sting of death, there's so much I do not know. But I think as I look back in the life of Jesus, even prior to His death, there were two or three things that just really uh, glare out to me. First one is there how, the, the, how that death would sting physically. You remember the story of Jesus. You remember how that He had, uh, how that he had His earthly ministry. You remember how He had His disciples. You remember He taught them all things just a few minutes ago. Uh, I was teaching that lesson there out of uh, the gospel, out of John, when Jesus said, It's good for you that I go away. Now, those guys didn't comprehend that. He said, If I don't go away, the Comforter won't come to you. However, think about it. When Jesus was in the process of going away, the Scripture said that He had carried His own cross. We know the story of how He was nailed to the cross how he hung suspended on the cross. One of the things he said while he was there hanging, he said, I thirst. Was it just a physical thirst? I think at that time he had every point of emotion uh, like any other person would have. And yes, he was thirsty. And they gave him a mixture of vinegar and gall to to, uh, soothe his uh, dry mouth and uh, you know, as you think on that, that was a, a sedative of some type of mixture that they would uh, make. But he, he was physically stinging. Secondly, he was socially stinging as well. You remember he said to his father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You faced loneliness in your world, and you might have said that at some point in your life. But uh, Jesus was saying that uh, because not only physically was he thirsting, but socially uh, he was feeling like he was forgotten and forsaken. Friend, let me say to you today that the sting of death might not be just a thing. However, it could be physical, it could be social, it could be spiritual. And usually what happens in our Lives, what we want to do is treat the sting instead of terminate the stinger. When's the last time you had a bee sting? I'm not saying that that's anything comparable to death, but the first thing you want to do is look down where the stinger was. Get that thing out. You know, the reality is that if we eliminate the bee, we would even be better off. Sting of death, you ever thought about it? I've been with many people. Uh, we could talk about it. No, no one are just alike when it comes to that point. However, the Scripture said, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Let me tell you something none of us know. None of us know how close we are to the sting. We do not. You might have a premonition. I'm not saying... People don't have that, but most of us have no clue. Not only the sting of death, but think about, as you're doing that, the surprise of death. Death's time. Revelation 14, 13 said, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. You know what he's writing about? Notice, he's writing there, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord henceforth. 
See, he's talking about a time, isn't it? All of the times are different. Paul wrote about it in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 to 9. See death's time, but also death's triumph. Notice Romans 8, 35 to 39. We love to quote a couple of verses out of this passage. However, reading them in context, Paul would write, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, notice, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, I am extremely excited to tell you death itself doesn't even, uh, doesn't even separate us. From the, from the Christ our Lord. I read, an, I read a paragraph this week. Talked about Catherine Marshall wrote a book entitled A Man Called Peter. The story was portrayed in a motion picture, the biography of Peter Marshall, her husband. Peter was pastor of the New York Avenue Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C., and also chaplain of the United States Senate. The last chapter deals with his fatal illness. Catherine Marshall tells about how the ambulance came for him during the night. When the attendants carried him out of the house on a stretcher, he looked up into her face at the door and said, Darling, I'll see you in the morning. These were to be the last words that Peter would ever say to Catherine this side of heaven. However... There is great truth in those words, and we can speak them with confidence as we bury our loved ones who have trusted Jesus with their lives. We can say, I'll see you in the morning. Friend, let me just say something about death. Death might have a ring of finality, but it does not bring finality. Matter of fact, for those of us who are in the Lord, it is a process of brand new beginning, new body, new place. Hey, present with the Lord forever. What a glorious thought there when we think about how God ushers us into the kingdom. I close with the thought of one of our dear friends. He was a membership he was a member here at Second. Uh, he was my neighbor, matter of fact. Remember the day he bought the house next door to us? And, uh, and I invited him that day to the worship. He said, yeah, I saw that church down there when I was coming in town. I'll see you Sunday. And sure enough, he did. Oh, Brother Sweeney. Brother Sweeney, after Miss Sweeney had died, he lived three or four years, I believe. But I visited him, my wife and I did, that Sunday afternoon when he was at hospice house. And he looked at us before we prayed over him and came uh, to worship that evening. He looked at us and said, I'm leaving tonight. Now you, you, you think on that. He said, I'm leaving tonight. And I came to church and we prayed for him. We prayed over him. 
And I got home that night, and a lady called me and said, Do you think he might make it through the night? I said, I don't know. I said, he told us he was leaving tonight. She said, well, I need to go see him. He had ministered to them in a time in which they needed help. And she went and saw him with her child. And the next morning, I woke up to check on Brother Sweeney. And you know, he had left. And when I say he had left, he hadn't left Waycross driving a car. You know what? He had left. He had been to be with the Lord. Friend, think about it as we close this morning. Are you really prepared to see Jesus? Have you made your preparation? You say, Preacher, I don't know how. Number one, it's imperative that you admit you're a sinner. Jesus died for every one of us. He died for sinners. You confess your sin to the Lord privately. You can say it like this, Hey, Lord, I am a sinner, and I need someone who could deal with my sin and say, Forgive me of my sin. And if you do that today, hey, that that will make you prepared to meet the Lord. Let's pray. Father, the best way I know how today, I, I just feel it, feel it an imperative in my spirit today to remind us all that tomorrow is not guaranteed. Lord, I pray today that as we come to this place of invitation and commitment, that if there's one that has not taken care of that, that they would today. And give the rest of us sweet assurance that death is not a villain that's trying to rob us. But because of this process called death, we become victors. And we can sing differently than we ever had, O victory in Jesus. So, Lord, have your way now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As Brother Mike leads us in this song of invitation, let me encourage you that you respond as God leads. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No being here. Hey, make your week count, okay? Uh, uh, Put in a plug for Jesus, the one and only Savior and Lord. Uh, Brother Clint's holding a copy of the monthly uh, prayer guide, prayer sheet that's on either doors you exit today. God, go with us. Order our steps.
Protect us from danger that might easily befall us. And Lord, glorify yourself through us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.